When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Plenty going on with it. With the A-League about to start, obviously this COVID cluster in uh, New South Wales might for- force a change uh, in the fixturing. We might even get some news on that uh, later today. And plenty going on uh, in the Premier League. If you missed the scores this morning, uh, a 3-0 win for Chelsea over West Ham in the uh, London derby. And Burnley finally found some form. They beat Wolves uh, 2-1. Uh, so we'll chat some Premier League. And also the future of Matty Ryan's getting really interesting uh, at Brighton, Australia's first choice uh, goalkeeper. The chat... All that and more, joined by one of the great football commentators in the country, Daniel Garb. Morning, Gubby. Hello, Jules. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Very well. Your Reds are flying. We'll get to the uh, Premier League uh, very shortly, but obviously we had the A-League launch uh, last week. We're not too far away from starting the season, but we do have some teams based in New South Wales. Um, What do you think is going to happen in terms of scheduling? Is there going to be some changes uh, made to get this season underway? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I can't see the Sydney FC Melbourne City game going ahead on Wednesday the 30th, purely because you know Melbourne City would have to travel to to Sydney or, or travel back from New South Wales, wherever they are right now. Hard to, to keep track, and then you know quarantine at some stage. I mean, the game's scheduled to play in Sydney, so as per the laws right now, they'd have to quarantine for two weeks. So I can't see that game taking place. Surely that's postponed. What happens with the New South Wales opener, Western Sydney against Macarthur? Is the new team entering the competition? A, a Western Sydney derby to start? Does that go ahead or, or does the current cluster in New South Wales mean you know, that game is either postponed or played behind closed doors? They've got big decisions to make over the next 24 hours. You do feel for them because this has just crept up on everyone. And you know, at the start of a new season when there's you know, a bit of excitement around and after all the drama of the last campaign, that we all went through. It's so difficult to to manage. But could there have been a plan B? Have they been been ready for something like this? I'm not sure they have been, but at the same time, you've got to have some sort of sympathy. So, you know, in the next 24 hours, maybe in the next couple of hours, we'll know some more details on that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. We've seen, you know, with the AFL this year and, and Cricket Australia as well, they've been pretty quick uh, with their plan B coming out. You have to be, as Gil McLaughlin said several times this year, agile and, and flexible. Um, he sort of touched on it there, but it, I mean, they, I'm sure they're working hard behind the seeds, FFA, but just seems to be a lack of a plan B, at least publicly anyway. Yeah, I think so. I think they probably thought we're out of the woods here and... You know, the Victorian crisis has dissipated and uh, it's all smooth sailing from here and they haven't really been set up for, you know, the event of, of something like this. So, yeah, you can knock them a little bit for that. But at the same time, I think they were just hoping to to get the season up and going with a bang and, and only focus on that. They should have had something ready in case there was another outbreak and it doesn't look like they've had a plan B. So they're going to have to come up with something pretty quick and, and move some fixtures around. Hopefully, mate, the numbers in New South Wales are low again today and, and we're staring at a, a prospect of this only taking place for a couple of weeks. We have a couple of postponements, maybe two weeks to a month. 
you know, four to five postponements, and that's easy to maneuver around. And, and to be honest, most of the games can take place in front of crowds. That's probably a scenario that uh, is realistic, and hopefully that's the case. Massive season for the A-League. Obviously, last year was, was disrupted and, and no crowds, as you mentioned. It just feels it's been treading water for a couple of years. How, how big is this season for the A-League to not get back on track? But to, as I say, it just feels like it's been treading water for a couple of seasons. Yeah, it has. It's an enormous season because it's the final year of a broadcast deal. So they've got to generate some sort of excitement in order to, to lock something in for, for next season. Now, I think rugby leaving Fox Sports and going to Stan does help football get another deal with Fox potentially. Will it be near the same level of finance as what they've got right now? No, but getting some sort of broadcast deal, as we know, is, is imperative. And, you know, with the way things were, that was looking unlikely. Rugby moving probably entices Fox a little bit more to, to be interested in the A-League and to keep that partnership going to ensure they've got a summer sport and more content and so on and so forth and it probably plays into football's hands but at the same time football's got to lift its game and you know, they've got to get some some excitement back and, and generate a lot more community um you know fanfare as well and you know i think the big teams having bigger seasons will help that you know very optimistic about western sydney wanderers i think they've been super aggressive you know, in terms of what they've done in the off-season with their coach recruitment and player recruitment, they've shown a bit of arrogance again, and that's great because when they're up and going with their crowds, that adds a lot to the competition. And the same with the Melbourne victory. I mean, they were horrific last season. We know that. They've been super aggressive as well in terms of the players they've been able to acquire. I think Grant Bredner has done a great job in the off-season in terms of attracting talent. Now they've got to match it on the pitch. If they do that and the Wanderers do that, the likes of Sydney FC, Melbourne City, Western United maintain their form, and the new club, MacArthur, does well. You're looking at a lot of big New South Wales-Victoria games, Jules. Big derbies with hopefully bigger crowds, and that will provide a better spectacle that can lift the league. So, yeah, the onus is on the big clubs to lift it, and the league in general, because, yeah, it is a critical time in the last year of a broadcast deal. Yeah, 100%. We heard Grant Brebner on SEN last week, and uh, yeah, they certainly made some pretty exciting sightings. The Melbourne victory. I want to talk to you about Matt Ryan. I've been noticed you've been uh, pretty active on Twitter about this. He's been mm. the number one uh, at Brighton for a few seasons now, but that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. How big a concern is that for the Socceroos with World Cup qualifiers around the corner? It's massive. It's a concern for him, obviously, at the moment. I mean, it's it's come out of seemingly nowhere that he's been dropped from the squad as a ho- from the whole. Maybe there's been some talk there with the manager and Graham Potter and, and the relationship has broken down for, for some reason. But the fans have targeted him. They're not happy with his form. Doesn't seem like he's made a litany of obvious mistakes or anything like that. But there's obviously some issue there with his form and, uh, and he's paid the price right now. Now, it's a big issue for Australia because you know, we're going into a massive year of World Cup qualifiers. We step towards the next World Cup in Qatar. Australia moves into phase two of qualifying soon, which, as we know, is incredibly difficult and hugely competitive. If Matt Ryan doesn't get a move in January to another club, he's staring at the prospect of the next four to six months on the bench, not playing regular football. And then Graham Arnold's got a big call to make because Mitch Langerak is flying in Japan. He's broken the single season clean sheets record there. So all of a sudden, he's staring at the prospect of Matt Ryan sitting on the bench, Mitch Langerak starting, which was unfathomable two weeks ago. And Matt Ryan's been a critical player for five, six years for the Socceroos. The other aspect of this is that Matt Ryan was a nailed-on lock for the next permanent Socceroos captain. Yeah. The way in which he speaks, his age bracket, his profile, it was just a no-brainer. 
if he's not in the team now come those qualifiers in March, that's another quandary for Graham Arnold. Who does he go to? And to be honest, there's not an obvious choice there. Trent Sainsbury, maybe, but his form has been up and down. There's also Graham Arnold's son-in-law. They might not feel comfortable about that. <laughs> Aaron Moy and Tom Rogic are good options, but neither of them enjoy being the public face. Both are pretty truculent with the media. That's a big part of the job. They don't enjoy being front and centre. So Matt Ryan was the obvious choice. If he's not playing, that's something for Graham Arnold to think about. So, yeah, it's a big one for Australian football all around. We, got to, we always like to see young talent coming through uh, in the A-League and obviously then progressing on to the Socceroos. Have you got a couple of names for us that we should be looking out for that, that could feature in this Socceroos squad over the next 12 to 18 months? Well, Alamobile is the big one. He's already broken through and played well for Australia. We saw that at the last Asian Cup. But he's been playing Champions League football this year. He's played against Liverpool and Ajax and Atalanta in their group for his Danish club, Michelin. So he's one of the big ones to, to come through, of course. And I think in the next phase of qualifying, we're playing regular games on home soil. Uh, I think Australian football fans and, and sports fans will start to become a bit more synonymous with Mobile, who's a, a big talent. The other one is Harry Suter, who's a big centre-back playing for Stoke Drills in the Championship and flying. He was named Stoke's Player of the Month. They're up around the playoff places. He plays week in, week out. Big beanpole striker, the Scotsman who we managed to recruit because he's got a, an Australian mum. And he's doing so well in the Championship. So he's all of a sudden a, a lock, I think, in Graham Arnold's first eleven. Coming through, Daniel Azani's back. He's back playing for Utrecht. So, you know, we know how big of a talent he is. And obviously, Australian fans know a lot about Daniel Azani from the last World Cup. But he's over his ACL problems right now and, and back in the team. So there's a few there to get excited about, no doubt. We'd like a couple more. But uh, I think there's enough talent, especially in the attacking positions now, for Graham Arnold to build on something come the next set of qualifiers. But obviously, it's going to be hugely competitive and a difficult task to make yet another World Cup. We touched on the Premier League before. I'll get your thoughts on how it's a fascinating title race. Obviously, Liverpool, once again, look like the team to beat, particularly after a couple of results in the last week. But we see right now, you know, London in lockdown. We had a few thousand fans coming back to matches in London. They're now being closed behind closed doors. We've gone to Tier 3, Tier 4. Coronavirus in the UK is a massive problem once again. We saw the Premier League season interrupted last year. What chance will get through uninterrupted this time? Uninterrupted completely, I'd say slim. There's already been one or two games postponed. But they're just so desperate to make sure football carries on because, you know, they're in such a depressing state there at the moment. And anyone who's ever lived in the UK during winter, I mean, it's so damn cold. It's dark at 5 p.m. anyway. You've got nothing to do. Football is getting them through. So it's much the same as, you know, Aussie rules did for us and the AFL did for us during our lockdown. So they've managed to put pretty good practices in place that the numbers haven't spread amongst the players and officials as much as they are, obviously, in the community. So obviously they're doing a great job and hopefully that maintains. You'd be surprised if there weren't a few postponements, but it seems as if they've got things pretty much intact. And even when numbers do creep into a certain club from time to time, I think we saw uh, the pandemic go through the Newcastle team and they had a game postponed. They were able to recover pretty quickly and keep the season going. There aren't you know, major blocks in the, in the campaign as of yet. So I'd say that people are pretty confident that'll be the way of it for the rest of the season and we get a finished, a finished campaign. They put good practices in place in order to, to ensure that happens. So hopefully 
It stays that way, Jules. Really tight at the top at the moment, which is something we haven't been able to say for a couple of years because it's been Liverpool, yeah. Man City, and then Daylight. Uh, Liverpool certainly look like the team to beat. You know, a couple of great results, beating Spurs and then putting seven past Crystal Palace on the weekend. Uh, can you see anyone taking the title off them? And if so, who are the most likely? At this stage, probably not. I think Liverpool are warm favourites for, for a very good reason. I think they really showed in that game against Spurs They've just got a different mentality. You know, Tottenham played pretty well in terms of their counter-attacking game style. They had big chances in the second half, didn't take them. But Liverpool just stay in games right until the end. And they're so confident they'll conjure up chances and then take them. We've seen that for a couple of, of seasons now, much like the great Man United teams in the past. I just think that the level of quality they've got in the squad is there and they've still got players to come back, like Thiago, who's just absolute world-class. But the mentality is just so strong. And there isn't a team in the competition right now that I think can go with them in that regard. It's a marathon. And you've really got to be at your best week in, week out. I don't see anyone else matching them. So I do think Liverpool go back to back. But Manchester United are playing some fantastic football. And away from home in particular, they are carving teams up. I think it's six wins in a row away from home now. They're only two points off the Reds if they win their game in hand. So that's going to be an interesting one if it becomes a Liverpool-Man United title race. Spurs will stay in it. Chelsea had a big win this morning, as you said. I don't see anyone running away with it, even if Liverpool do win it. It's not that kind of season. It's going to be too hard. The fixtures are too packed up. We're still going to have, basically, an absence of fans inside grounds, which still creates that neutral venue-type feel. There will be slip-ups. So I see it being a lot closer, but I don't see anyone going with Liverpool. But United, Chelsea, Tottenham, and Leicester are still there. Pay them a lot of respect. I think we'll all be in it for a lot longer than people may have predicted pre-season. And just finally, uh, A-Rod, our panel man's a mad Arsenal fan. He is worried they're going to get relegated. He is sweating bullets at the moment. Should, have Arsenal, how much worry should Arsenal fans have of the way this season is unfolding? Is A-Rod still at Esther? Yeah, and he was there when I was there about 15 years ago. He's, he's a cockroach. Can't get rid of him. <laughs> he's a good little man. Um, big fan of, of A-Rod. Good to see him still there contributing in a big way, no doubt. Yeah, I know he's a big Gunners fan, and Arsenal fans have... I don't think they have too much reason to be seriously concerned about relegation. I mean, they'll get out of that, you would think, at some stage. They simply have to. Can you imagine the sporting story, Jules, if Arsenal are relegated to the championship? That just trumps everything for a long, long time. But then, you know, at this time in 2016, in that season, we were saying, can you imagine if Leicester win the Premier League? That just trumps everything. Can't happen. And it did. So... You know, you wouldn't completely rule it out. I think they get themselves out of it. But the big question right now is how long does Mikel Arteta get? Because a club as big as Arsenal Football Club can't be in a position as catastrophic as this. This is just ridiculous. How poor their form is. How big of a shadow of the former club they've become. I mean, Arsenal are an attacking team that we've loved to watch in the Premier League. They're the worst attacking team in the competition at the moment. Statistically, it's proven since the October break. They have absolutely no creativity about the way they go about things. So, Mikel Arteta seems lost right now. He seems like he's lost control of the players' mentality completely. It's, you're seeing red card incidents in almost every game, so they're losing their heads. You know, he's got one or two games, surely, to try and get some results and instill some confidence, or else he's got to go. You can't let this continue. As much as it was a long-term project and a process with Mikel Arteta, you're Arsenal Football Club. You can't be languishing in a relegation fight come the new year. So for me, he's got a couple of games, if that, or else they've got to make that call. Whatever happens in that regard, I think they get out of it. But it's just a horrible position for them to be in, and there doesn't seem to be much leadership 
at the top level to change that. The recruitment and everything they do at the moment is just so far off the pace of a big club. Yeah, worrying times for Arsenal fans over Christmas and New Year with a lot of matches uh, coming up. Daniel, great to catch up to talk all things football. Have a great uh, festive season and we'll chat again in the new year. Thanks, Jules. All the best, mate. All the best to the listeners as well. Have a great Christmas. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.